Good morning, church. You've got a treat today already, right? And I'm not going to try to trick you or anything. So anyway, um, I, don't, I can't remember ever preaching on Halloween, but I'm sure that in my time of preaching, I preached on Halloween. Now, a little history, uh, All Hallows' Eve uh, is the original name for Halloween that falls on October 31st. And it falls before, historically, All Hallows' Day, which we know as All Saints' Day on the Christian calendar. Now, the name Hallowed comes from the Old English, which means holy or sanctified. Now, All Hallows' Eve has evolved into Halloween, and we're reminded that the evil one loves to hijack, right, anything and make it worse than what it was intended to be. But Halloween uh, can be fun. Uh, it can uh, be a time of dressing up and, and, and getting candy. And so it's fun to see the grandkids. So it's always a good time to show four of our grandkids, you know, as, as they get ready, uh, uh, ready themselves for uh, going out and doing the, uh, the fun festives around Halloween. And uh, so anyway, so I'm sure you have got pictures like that. Now, it's a time to get a lot of candy, right? Did you know that... that <clears throat> Nearly one quarter of all the candy sold in the U.S. annually is purchased for Halloween, including 35 million pounds of candy corn. Now, some of you like candy corn, right? A couple people did in the other service, but that's 9 billion individual kernels of corn. I wonder what happens to all that stuff, right? Where does it go? You know, because I've never cared for it myself. But... So on Halloween, uh, we continue a sermon series in the Gospel of Mark by taking a close look at Jesus' encounter with demons. Now, I got to give a shout out to the sermon prep team for choosing this text that falls on Halloween, right? Jesus' encounter with demons and unclean spirits. And I'm going to read to you from Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. So if you've got your Bible, uh, please open it up, Mark chapter 5. If you've got your phone... Uh, you got an app on it. Now that you know how to do a QR code, uh, you can look at Scripture on your phone because it's not going to be on the screens, so you're on your own, right? So let's stand together, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gersonese. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission 
And the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herders ran off and towed it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it, and they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. They began to beg Jesus to leave their city. They began to leave, ask Jesus to leave their country. I'm taking some liberties here. They began to beg Jesus to leave their culture and to leave their society. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed. Say that with me. Everyone was amazed. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Father God, I pray that today we will be amazed by the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. That you would take these words from Holy Scripture and these words that you've laid on my heart and that you'd anoint these words with your Holy Spirit that people will be amazed at your power, amazed at your deliverance, amazed at the chains that you will break today that are holding people in bondage. Whether it's in this room, whether it's people watching online today or tomorrow or next week, or whether it's in the auditorium, wherever it is, may the power of Jesus Christ be made known. It's in the strong name of Jesus I pray. Amen and amen. Now, throughout the Gospels, Jesus encounters Satan, demons, and unclean spirits. At least 11 different accounts in the Gospels, Jesus did not avoid confronting the dominion of evil. Now, when I say dominion of evil, the definition means sovereignty or control. That there is evil in this world that is in control of parts of our world. The dominion of evil began in the heavenly fallout of Satan or Lucifer and his angels. If you go to Isaiah 14, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, mighty though you were against the nations of the world. For you said to yourselves, I will ascend to heaven and rule the angels. I will take the highest throne. I will preside on the mount of assembly. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. People ask me, well, why did God make the devil? God did not make a bad devil. God created a powerful and intelligent angelic being who through his own pride and his own free will revolted against God. And in doing so was corrupted while maintaining his original splendor. 
And you, me, and the world are part of a battleground between God and evil. Now, I just want to say to you this morning that the strategy of the devil is not just to put evil curses on you, but to deceive you from receiving the redemption and the salvation and the deliverance that God wants to bring in your life as accomplished in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are in the midst of a spiritual battle that is trying to prevent people from receiving redemption and salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light and that his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Ephesians 6 says this in verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. To me, it would be very frightening this morning if we could pull back the curtain into the spiritual world and see the warfare that's going on right now in this room. Right now on this campus, there is spiritual warfare taking place even as I speak. Now, I don't want you to underestimate evil. I also don't want you to overestimate evil. I don't believe there's a demon behind, hiding behind every bush. But I do believe that we are in the middle of a spiritual battle for the souls of people. I love these words from J.D. Walt, the editor of the publishing house called Seedbed. He says, while my understanding of such realities continue to grow, my faith in biblical revelation of the nature of reality, past, present, and future, visible and invisible, remains as fixed as the sun. There are things that I don't understand about evil. There are things I don't understand about the spiritual world. But I believe what is in this book. I believe this is the revealed word of God. And scripture does not have a problem with the spiritual world. Scripture does not have a problem with divine and angelic action, supernatural miracles, deliverance, and demonic powers. As believers, we take these scriptures with reasonable faith, right? We put our faith and reason into the word of God and believe that it reveals information about God, about angels, about demons, about heaven, about hell, about miracles and other invisible realities. My friends, the Bible calls us to believe in a God that we've never seen, who saves us from a hell that we've never seen. Scripture offers us an eternal life in heaven that we've never seen. The reality is that we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Everything that we have sung about today, everything that we've read in Scripture, we receive by faith in the reality of who God is. Now, this man that Jesus meets, he lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with chains, shackles and chains, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. Evil has gained complete control and domination of this man's life. 
He, he's living among the dead. Chains, shackles cannot hold him, but he's still not free. He's harming himself. And people would describe him as crazy. And you may know somebody like that. You may have been like that yourself at one time. Now, this passage says that this man is, is, is isolated so he won't harm other people. But he's harming himself. And today, the devil uses self-harm through excessive drinking, through too much eating, through drugs, through social media, through pornography, through confusion to who God made us to be, to try to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundant, but there is one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that through confusion, through misinformation. The dominion of evil results, results in disorder. It resorts, resorts, results in discord and delusion and domination and destruction and disease and death and even damnation. Now, it's evident that this man has been put in isolation because society and programs could not help the man. And I believe that there are some good programs within our society. There, there, there are organizations that offer good help to people. But there are some situations that can only be helped with a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's what happens here. This man could not get help from anywhere else but from a personal encounter with the living Lord, Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the dominion of Jesus. In chapter 4 of Mark's gospel, if you go back just a page, we find that the disciples are in a boat and in the middle of a storm. Nature is creating chaos. And these disciples are terrified because they are going to drown because of this storm. Jesus, in the midst of the storm, is asleep because chaos does not dominate his life. And they awake him, and what does he do? He calms the storm. He calms the sea, and he says, Oh, you of little faith. And then we fast forward here, and the dominion of Jesus is demonstrated over the one who torments our souls. That Jesus has dominion over whatever it is that is tormenting your soul. And that is good news. Amen? That no matter what is tormenting you, no matter what is confusing you, no matter what is constraining you, is Jesus has power over that. I love these words from Romans 8, the message paraphrase. God went for the juggler. It's a good text for Halloween, right? God went for the juggler when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. That's good news. That's good news. That is the dominion of Jesus. There is no devil that Jesus cannot overcome. There is no demon that Jesus Christ cannot defeat. There is no sin that Jesus Christ cannot forgive. There is no life that Jesus Christ cannot change. When Jesus, when he saw Jesus from a distance, 
this man ran and bowed down before him and he shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God. It is my prayer that today someone will ask that question. What do you want to do with me, Jesus? Who are you, Jesus? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, I love how the new Revised Standard Version identifies the demon, demons in this man as an unclean spirit. You know, we want to rationalize that there's no such thing as demons except on Halloween when we see little people dressed up in strange costumes. But in our scientific Western mind, there can't be anything like that, right? I love how Jesus, or how, the, the, again, this version describes it as an unclean spirit. Now, it makes sense to me that an unclean spirit is only going to reside where there is dirt and where there is filth. And if we allow dirt and filth to be present in our life, I believe that we are inviting unclean spirits to be a part of who we are. So I would challenge all of us to invite the Holy Spirit to shine a light into our lives. Now, a couple of three days ago, I was driving toward the church and the sun was especially bright that morning. And I realized pretty quickly how unclean my windshield was. You ever been in that situation where you just got all this film on your windshield and you never really notice it until the sun shines on it? And then bam, you wonder why you can't see at night, right? And now you got this film that's all over your windshield. My friends, it's only when we invite the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to shine his light into our life do we understand the uncleanness in our life. Now, I've got to also tell the rest of the story is that one of the reasons that my windshield is unclean on the inside, that earlier this summer I was fishing uh, with my granddaughter, Harper Grace, at a pond. And as we're fishing, a storm comes up, right? And it starts to rain. And so we make a dash for the truck. And then I got to make a dash to put the boat back on the trailer. And when I get back in the car or the truck, I notice that the windshield is all fogged up. And Harper Grace has drawn a heart on the right side of my windshield with, a, with an arrow through it that says, I love you, J-Paul. So it's really hard right now for me to wash the film <laughs> off of my windshield because I know that that will disappear. But right in the midst of that uncleanness is a message, right? That God is greater than any uncleanness in my life and that God loves me and that God loves you and it has no power or no control over you. Now, dominion of Jesus involves dialogue. You know, th this, this uh, man possessed by these demons is one of the first ones to recognize that Jesus is the son of God. And he declares that you are the son of God, the son of the most high. And then there's this conversation for Jesus said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. 
My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a psychiatrist can have a field day with this passage, right? Because you got a man having a dialogue with Jesus in about five different voices. It goes from singular to plural, back to singular. Uh, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him, do not send them out of the country. There's a dialogue going on here between Jesus, the son of God, and evil. I would say to you that when you're in a conversation, when you confront evil, always confront evil in the name of Jesus. I can't tell you the times in my life when I've said these words, get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to say that in the name of Jeff or the name of Mount Horeb or the name of my best friend or the name of Lynn. Lynn, you know, Lynn. No, I'm going to call out the name of Jesus because evil is real and evil attacks and it is in a conversation when I call out the name of Jesus that I have authority. Now, this man here is, uh, uh, is a personification of evil. And it's important that we call evil for what it is. You know, I think sometimes whenever we confront evil, we sometimes confuse evil with the person. See, Jesus didn't confuse evil and Satan with this person. He saw through this person and saw the evil that possessed this person. The devil loves to make you think your spouse is the devil. Your spouse is not the devil. Now, there may be a devil working in the midst of the room, but, but you understand your enemy, right? We, we need to personify evil. We need to call evil for what it is. And we, we, we sometimes want to demean people when we need to identify evil. And we do that in a conversation, in a dialogue. And, and, and Jesus exposes evil. Secondly, dominion of Jesus brings deliverance. The man says his name is Legion. Now, Legion was a Roman term for a group of soldiers that could number up to 6,000 soldiers. 6,000 soldiers. I think one of the most powerful messages I've heard preached here at Mount Horeb was preached two weeks ago by Bill Baltonite in this room. When he talked about how Jesus has the power to transform the smallest seed, the, the, the mustard seed, into glorious growth. Now, this passage here, I believe today, is about how Jesus has the power to take your biggest problem, your biggest challenge, your biggest demon, your worst habit, and set you free. To break the chains that is keeping you captive to set you free from what's controlling you, to set you free from what possesses you. And with the word, Jesus Christ can deliver you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how big was this man's problem? Well, the demons went into 2,000 pigs. That's a pretty big problem. If you got a problem big enough to consume 2,000 pigs, that's a big problem. So I want you to hear this this morning. There is no problem in your life that is too big for God. Somebody say amen to that. There is no problem. We had in the earlier service, we had a grandmother who came and wanted to pray for her granddaughter because her granddaughter is getting into some things that she should not get into. And we prayed in the strong name of Jesus Christ that God would send his Holy Spirit upon this child and that God will begin to help 
release that child from the attack that that child is under. Now, demonic presence distorts human identity. This man is a shadow of his former self. His God-given purpose has been lost until Jesus shows up. And there are people you know right now that have lost their purpose. They're in jeopardy of destroying their life. We need to bring those persons and the names of those persons into the presence of God. We need to pray over them in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Now, what about the pigs here? It's a curious thing, right? These demons request to go into these pigs. Now, why pigs? And why does Jesus do this? Well, I would suggest a few things. One, pigs for the Jews are unclean. So an unclean spirit goes into unclean pigs. Secondly, Jesus values a human soul more than he values swine. And thirdly, pigs have no souls. They have no souls. Now, if you're an animal lover here today, and many of you are, I'm sure, and you're concerned about these pigs, let me just suggest these pigs could be the heroes, right? Because these pigs took on these demons who are no longer going to possess people, but are going to go down into the abyss. They're going to go down into destruction. So animal lovers, good deal. Um, I, like, I, like, I like pigs. You know, basically, if you think about the story here, the barbecue restaurants would have been closed for several months because there are no more swine because the swines have taken on the evil spirits. Now, I don't know that to be true. That's certainly not in my notes anywhere here. Um, but what's interesting is that, is that the community that comes out because of the pigs being destroyed are more concerned about property loss than a person who was lost. They're more concerned about swine than they are souls. They're more concerned about the bottom line than they are broken chains. And let me tell you, the evil one loves to play that game where he convinces you that your bottom line is more important than broken chains. And that we get consumed by the commercial instead of being concerned about people's lives. Now, Satan also loves to masquerade and dress up evil as entertainment. I think we're all aware that secular entertainment is often immoral and that more than ever it promotes non-biblical values, promotes non-biblical lifestyles that plant seeds of doubt into the hearts and lives of people, especially our young people. And I'm going to call it out. We need to call out, just like Jesus calls out these unclean spirits, folks, we need to make a stand about what is evil in our world. And, it, and it, it, to me, it is so troubling that now Lynn or I have to screen the Disney Channel before our grandchildren can watch the Disney Channel. Whenever the Disney Channel openly promotes gay and lesbian identities as being the norm for people, I believe that that is not biblical and how God intends us to be. Now, I'm not saying that, I mean, Disney can do whatever Disney wants to do because it's not, it's, it's a commercial, it's part of our world, they can do whatever they want to do, but I don't have to agree with it, right? And I don't have to let my kids or my grandkids watch it. But we see it going on throughout the world. 
The scripture tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm not suggesting that we unplug all of our TVs. I'm not suggesting we unplug uh, from Halloween or anything like that. But we need to be able to confront and call out evil for what it is. There is no evil presence. There is no possession. There is no oppression that Jesus cannot overcome. And more than ever, we need to guard our children. We need to guard our grandchildren. We need to guard our families against the onslaught of evil. Dominion of Jesus needs to be declared. The dominion of Jesus needs to be declared. We need to stand up for Christian values in the world that we live in, certainly within the church. Now, this delivered man wanted to leave with Jesus. The people wanted Jesus to leave. And what did Jesus do? When when the people wanted Jesus to leave, what did he do? He got in the boat and he left. He got in the boat and he left. We live in 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 a country where we want to remove Jesus and God from the public square. And what is God going to do? God's going to say, okay, I will leave the public square. And we wonder why we're in such confusion and chaos in the world we live in. I never want to be a part of a church where we ask Jesus to leave. We want to put him front and center all the time. Now, this man wanted to leave with Jesus, and Jesus refused him. He refused to let him come with Jesus, but it doesn't mean he rejected him. Sometimes whenever we want God to do something for us and God says no, we take that as rejection. We shouldn't take it as rejection. We should take it that God has a different direction and God has a different plan. And that's exactly what he says to this man. I want you to go to your family and tell them what great things have happened to you. I want you to go to your friends, your family, your community, and tell them what I have done. One of my favorite songs right now is a contemporary song by the group called Cain, C-A-I-N. And and the song simply says, yes, he can. And the tagline is, yes, he did. So yes, he can. Yes, he did deliver me from evil. So yes, he can deliver you from evil. Yes, he did get me through the darkness so he can get you out of the darkness. Yes, he did move every mountain in my life. He can move every mountain in your life. Yes, he did. So yes, he can. What a great message, right? The message of the dominion of Jesus Christ. Yes, he did. So yes, he can. Now, the other thing I would say to you that God can use anyone, no matter how possessed they are, by evil if they are redeemed. So that should give everyone in this room hope today. It also should give you a challenge that God has a purpose for every person in this room. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, if you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, been forgiven by his grace and mercy, he has a purpose for you. Now, when I was in college, it was my, it was a weekend where for whatever reason, um, a lot of people went home that weekend. So I'm, I'm in the dorm on the floor, the sixth or seventh floor of my dorm and I'm kind of like the only person on the floor, it seems like. And so, you know, feels good. I can turn the music up loud, you know, and all that good stuff. And I go down to the shower. And when I come back to my dorm room, someone has stuck a satanic pentagram on my door. 
I'm going like, is this the right room? <laughs> did, did I miss my room? And there was a satanic pentagram stuck on my door. And that gave me little Emmy Jimmy's, right? And um, that's a 70s phrase, Emmy Jimmy's. I don't think we do that anymore. Um, and so, um, so I go in the room, lock the door, and, uh, and then in a few minutes, there's a piece of paper that comes underneath my door. And I go pick it up, and, and on it are some hieroglyphics. I have no clue what this is, but it doesn't look good, right? So pentagram, hieroglyphics, one. So then I put a chair against my door, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on here. Now, at that time, we were part of a singing group called Faith Incorporated, and we had a little flyer that had our pictures on it, five of us walking down a sidewalk with guitars and, 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 and a promotion of our group. So I go down the next day to the college post office in the dorm, and someone has slid a, our flyer in my post office box, and, G, and the devil is drawn over me, right? Now I'm getting really, you know, like this is, this is not good, right? Three things that have happened to me within 24 hours. And so on Monday, I go to my religion professor who was from India, and I take him the hieroglyphics, I said, do you know what this means? And I told, showed him about the, told him about the pentagram, and then I showed him my, the little pamphlet or, or poster that my face had been replaced by a figure of Satan. I can still see it vividly today. And he said to me, he says, Jeff, what this means is that there is a satanic group on campus, and they are on the next full moon are going to be holding a service for you <laughs> to put a spell on you and to cause harm to you so you will not be effective in ministry. Does anybody think that's real? I sure did. Now, it so happens that weekend of the next full moon, when this was supposed to all take place, our singing group, Faith Incorporated, was in the Pocono Mountains, leading a youth retreat. And I shared my story to those students gathered in that room. And that evening, over 100 students accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We can celebrate that. You can celebrate that. We should be excited that the dominion of Jesus is more powerful than the dominion of evil, right? And that God was victorious on that night. I never heard another thing about it, never saw another piece of paper, because they were defeated through the power of Jesus Christ. And we celebrated that for, for many, many testimonies after that. Now, the dominion of Jesus is going to require some discipline. When we diminish sin, we will dismiss sin. And that's one of the great challenges that we have in our world today. We want to diminish sin, and then what happens is we begin to dismiss sin. When we diminish the power of evil, we will dismiss the power of evil. Whatever is left unclean, or unconfessed will consume you. If your sins are unconfessed, your sins will consume you with guilt, fear. Whatever you tolerate will dominate eventually. When we give evil an inch, evil will take a mile. Footholds turn into strongholds. And you wonder why you're battling against oppression and obsession and depression, perhaps you've given the devil a little foothold that has now turned into a stronghold. And I want to say a, a word about the difference between possession and oppression. In this story, we're dealing with 
possession. We've got demons, many demons that have possessed this man. I believe theologically and biblically that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. I believe in 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit, than anything that is in the world. But that does not mean that you cannot be oppressed by evil. Oppression means to be crushed or to be burdened by an abuse of power or authority, to be burdened spiritually or mentally, to be weighed heavily upon. I believe there's a lot of people right now battling oppression from an evil one, trying to beat you down, trying to hold you down, trying to hold you back. And when you look at the cause of oppression, it is not your parents. It is not your spouse. It is not the way you were raised. For the Christian, the only person who can empower the evil one to oppress you is you. The only one that can give the evil one permission to oppress you is you. The Bible says in Hosea, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I think that oppression reveals itself with obsession, which then will work its way into depression. And I believe some of the things that the devil uses to bring oppression upon Christians is pride, power, powerlessness, priorities, pressure, even personality. We need to be aware that we are in spiritual warfare. So I'm going to give you these in closing. I'm going to go quickly here. Write these down. If you're a Christian today, if you're here in the room, go ahead and get your phone out and write these down. These are important. On this Halloween, I'm going to tell you, first of all, be careful. Be careful. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone, anyone, to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. One of the, one of the classic books, uh, a book called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, is a book about Satan writing to his demons. And this is what he says in one of the, the sections. Dear Wormwood, which was the demon, if any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, the human, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. Be careful. Be careful what you allow in your life. James 4, 7 and 8 says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Is there dirt in your life? Wash your hands. Allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse through the power of confession. Next, I would say be bold. Confess your sins out loud. If you feel oppressed this morning, if you feel oppressed this morning, I would challenge you to be bold and profess Jesus Christ is your Lord. Whenever you feel the evil come around you, profess boldly Jesus Christ's name.
Confess the name of Jesus Christ. Be equipped with the armor of God. Use God-given spiritual weapons. Ephesians 6, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, which is scripture, the body armor of God's righteousness. Be a prayer warrior. Know that there are some things that only are defeated by prayer. There are some situations that are defeated only by prayer. And be a witness to God's power to deliver. Go to your family, go to your friends, and tell the amazing things that God has done for you. And then finally, make sure you stay in Christian community. Stay in Christian community. On this Halloween, let me declare this. Put it up on the screen. Jesus Christ on the cross has defeated the power of the devil. Somebody say amen to that. We do not fear demons. He has given us power and authority to set captives free and put the enemy under our feet. In closing this morning, and we're out of time, and perhaps the evil one has reminded you of that, I want to pray a prayer of deliverance because there's somebody in the room today, somebody listening online who is being oppressed by evil. There's somebody perhaps in the room or listening online that is being possessed by evil. There's somebody in the room that is being obsessing over evil. Would you stand as I pray for you? Father God, I pray right now that in the strong name of Jesus Christ, you will set the captives free. Lord, that this morning you will break the chains of someone who feels they're in bondage. They know they're in bondage. There is a habit that they cannot break. There, there is an evil presence in their life that they can't get rid of. And I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus Christ that they will be set free. Lord God, there is someone that's being harassed by the devil, being hammered, their family's being hammered, their kid, child is being hammered right now. I pray that in the strong name of Jesus Christ that they will be delivered and they'll be set free and that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, do your mighty work now in these moments of setting people free. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.